Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Well, y'all, welcome to the show. This is Let's Go There with Sheer and Ryan on Channel Q. We bring you the top stories of the day, pop culture, talk about our crazy lives and so much more with fun music in between weekdays on Channel Q. Did I say happy Monday? I don't know, but I'm back. It's Tuesday. It feels like a Monday because yesterday was like... Not a normal day because, yeah, you weren't here. And now you're back. Yeah, I wasn't here. Did you tell my business? No, I didn't, actually. She didn't? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I'm I changing. am proud of Shira. <laughs> she did not tell my business. Well, I'll tell you my business. I um, had an unfortunate accident. I was rescuing a little baby from a train track, and I saved the baby and got... No, that's not. I'm just an extravagant story. Yeah. Actually, I twisted my ankle falling down the stairs. Did you, so you're just going... How how high were these stairs? So, like, no, no, no. I was, going to a, I was going to a barbecue. Oh, it was like a party. Okay. No, I was going to a barbecue that a friend was having. Okay. And I was literally going... I was I only had one more stair. One oh. more stir before I was on the floor. <laughs> no. And my ankle just twisted. And I felt something pop. Ow. And Ooh. I just took a moment. It knocked the wind out of me. I will say that. And the entire time, I was fine. Like, I was like, okay, you I'm continued? okay. I continued to go. When I got back home, that's when I couldn't even walk. I was stuck on the couch. I had to go get x-rays the next day. And um, now I'm in a, a beautiful, um, fashiony boot. Um, and I have to be in it for the next two weeks. Luckily, no breaks, but I did sprain it really bad. I don't know if that's just my body telling me, oh, you're old now. You can't do the things that you you used to, like walk. (laughs) Crawl. You got to start crawling. Well, uh, we're happy you're here, and we hope you get better very soon. Yeah, Uh, technically, I'm not supposed to be here by doctor's orders, but, you know, who follows rules anyway? Uh, well, we're happy you're uh, <laughs> not following the rules. Coming up on the show this hour, we have Glad Social Media Safety Index. Uh, and it's all about social media companies and what they're not doing for the LGBTQ plus community. President and CEO of Glad, Sarah Kate Ellis, is with us for that at 3.35 p.m. Pacific, 6.35 p.m. Eastern. And we've got the author of The Diet Free Revolution also joining us on the show today. Lots happening. First, let's get into some what's trending this hour. Uh, President Biden announced Uber and Lyft will offer free rides to and from vaccination sites from May 24th to July 4th, uh, which is really cool. And, you know, they could use the business. That's because Uber's having some issues right now with a lack of drivers. We're going to be talking more about that in the next hour with The Washington Post. But let's move on to Queen Elizabeth II. 
She announced some weird stuff today that they're banning uh, their ban on conversion therapy is happening, actually. Oh, it's a good thing. For some reason, I thought she said she it was into conversion therapy. I was like, what? <laughs> She's like, no, actually, I think it's a really great thing. <laughs> no. <laughs> Let's re-say this. Queen Elizabeth II announced a ban on conversion therapy. We don't want to spread false rumors. Now we don't. In our opening speech today, part of the UK Parliament, uh, known as the Queen's Speech, the remarks were delivered before a reduced audience in the House of Lords in London. Measures will be brought forward to address racial and ethnic disparities and ban conversion therapy. There you go. She said it. We don't usually hear her voice. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I took a lot of energy for her to even like open her mouth. Seriously, I'm 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 happy she they're doing something exactly. And at the government level, UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson has been vocal about his opposition to conversion therapy and his desire to ban the practice too. So good on the UK. Uh, but if you want to hear from Boris, here's what he has oh, to share. Here we go. So many clips. On the gay conversion therapy thing, I think that's absolutely abhorrent and has no place in a, in a civilized society, has no place in, uh, in this country. What we're going to do is a study right now on, you know, the, where is this actually happening? How prevalent is it? And uh, we will then bring forward plans to, to ban it. Is Boris there construction? By the way, Boris Johnson's always like almost like surprised that he's talking. Like he's he is as if he like suddenly started to talk about this stuff. That was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Okay, so someone should really just tell Caitlyn Jenner to stop. Yeah, seriously. It's time for the tea report. Most pop culture stories trending right now. California gubernatorial candidate Caitlyn Jenner just submitted that she didn't even vote last year because guess what? She was golfing that day. I mean, honestly, at this point, I think she's Donald Trump's tethered. Um, So she had an interview on CNN with Dana Bash, who I I love. Um, Dana Bash obviously pulled the short uh the short stick when it came to who's going to be interviewing caitlin jenner and she lost this whole thing well dana bash asked her did you vote for him in 2020 asking donald trump did you mm-hmm. vote for donald trump uh caitlin said no uh dana said who'd you vote for she said i didn't even vote um that she literally admitted that she said out here in california it's like why vote for a republican president it's just not going to work i mean it's overwhelming she then goes on to say i didn't even vote i just just wound up going to play golf. I said, uh, I'm not doing that. Talk about a leader for the people, of the people. <laughs> I um. mean, it's it's absolutely ridiculous at this point. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know what else more to say. Uh, we have more tea report coming up next hour, so do not go anywhere. Uh, she should just be like the president of Calabasas or something. Like, call it a day. You don't need to be, or not the, the governor of Calabasas, not the governor of the entire state. No, she just should be the her own governor in her own mind. Or just, yeah, state. maybe like her house. <laughs> That's where house. she can govern. All right, coming up as COVID vaccines get introduced to teens and kids, what do we need to know? We answer some of those questions with the Washington Post next. Given the okay for the first coronavirus vaccine for emergency use in children as young as 12 from Pfizer BioNTech. Here to share more is Lena Sun, health reporter for The Washington Post, who has all our answers today. Thanks for being here. 
Sure. Happy to be there. Happy to be with you. Yeah. So is this the exact same vaccine? It's not like a different one just for younger folks. It's the exact same vaccine, the same strength, and it also requires two doses. Okay, that's really good and clear. But I, I think for me, I how did they find out that it works? Were they like testing on children? Well, um, they did a clinical trial with, um, with, with well, um, they tested it in children by taking about 2,300 adolescents between 12 and 15, and half of them received the two-shot regimen, and they found that it was actually, um, it triggered an even stronger immune response in the teens than in young adults who had already been shown to be protected in the original clinical trial. Um, and there were 16 cases of, of the illness of COVID-19, um, and all of them took place in the adolescents who received the placebo. So it's direct evidence that the shots gave strong protection against the illness. Okay, so when is this going to be available? Well, so the FDA gave emergency authorization on Monday evening, and then tomorrow um, an advisory group to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is meeting to discuss whether this vaccine should be recommended for use in this population. And it is widely expected that this expert panel will recommend that it be used in 12 to 15 years, 12 to 15 year olds. And if that recommendation is um, uh, accepted by the CDC director, then as early as Thursday, any place, any administration site that has the Pfizer vaccine will be able to give the shots to kids as young as 12. So what were some of the, uh, or if any, were there any side effects? Because I know, you know, adults have side effects. So are kids going through the same thing during this process? Yeah, they found that kids had very similar side effects to those in adults, including pain where they got the shot and fatigue and headache and chills and muscle aches and fevers. And the side effects actually tended to be more common in adolescents. So, for example, in participants who are 16 and older, about 63% of them had fatigue. But in this younger group, about 78% had fatigue. And also this younger group had um, more of them reported fevers. And the side effects were most common after the second dose, which is also similar to adults. And as your listeners may know, when you get um, um, a side effect or a, like a response like that, it's an example of your immune system working to produce the antibodies that were triggered by the um, by the shot. Uh, do you think that most parents are going to get their kids this or teens will do this? Like, how much do you see this being a popular choice right now? Well, I think what the surveys have shown is that there are some parents who are really eager to get um, their kids vaccinated and kids themselves also want to um, anecdotally um you know, say that they want this so that once they're vaccinated, they can hug their ki hug their friends, hang out with them, um, go on vacation with their parents. I mean, there's a big push to get this um, get this moving at the end of the academic year. And for parents, I think 
similarly to other um, adults, there are folks who want to have more of their questions answered. There are folks who haven't gotten the shots yet and may be concerned about the convenience, like how easily can they get it. And then there's also um, a group of parents who I'm sure are going to say, no way are they going to get their kids vaccinated. Yeah, but that's what the surveys have shown. Right. And I guess I wasn't even thinking about the popularity between, like, you know, if, pop, if parents would even want to do this. I was thinking about the requirements that schools are going to put on, you know, kids to make sure they're vaccinated to even come back. Is that something we're going to see? Well, um, requirements for school, that's something that's uh, left up to individual state governments. It's the states that decide which vaccines are required for school entry. But because right now this vaccine is has been um, allowed to be used under emergency use authorization by the FDA, which is not the same thing as full regulatory approval, um, I think it's very unlikely that school districts or state health departments would be mandating or requiring that this coronavirus shot be given. But you see in colleges and higher ed um, institutes already, they are requiring that um, college students be vaccinated. And I think for some parents, the peace of mind that comes with knowing that your kid is protected um, is just going to make it easier for them and to improve the mental health of their kids as well. Yep, definitely. Well, that was Lena Sun, health reporter for The Washington Post. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Coming up, the conspiracy theory forcing anti-maskers to mask up. That's next. We've got another conspiracy theory ripping through the anti-vax worlds. This one's even more insane than you even probably would think. It is pretty crazy. So it's driving these anti-maskers to actually want to wear a mask and keep their distance. Who knew something would be possible to encourage them to do this? So this is what they're saying. That vaccinated people will shed certain proteins onto the unvaccinated people who are then going to suffer adverse effects. So basically it's the shedding. Vaccine shedding is what they're saying will happen. It will cause possibly irregular menstruation, infertility, miscarriages. I mean, talk about scaring people. Also, it's based on a larger conspiracy theory that COVID-19 was a plot to depopulate the world and the vaccine is what will cut or call the masses. So, you know, there's that. Uh, So these anti-vaxxers are now sharing this on social media. They're doing these live streams. Um, This uh, prominent anti-vaxxer who's a New York pediatrician, this is someone who actually has a license to be a doctor, uh, shared this. There's something being passed Uh, from people who are shot up with this poison to others who have not gotten the shots. And he said they should have a badge on their arms that says, I've been vaccinated, even though it's not a vaccine, so that we know to avoid them on the street, to not go near them anywhere in society. I just don't understand why anti-vaxxers are so afraid of the thing that can really just help them live. It's like the way they're running from like wanting to just live and be healthy is just mind boggling to me. It's one minute's the mask. And now the next minute is, oh, you know, vaccinated people are, you know, they're 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 spewing out toxins that could affect us. So maybe we should wear a mask. 
it, at one point, does an anti-vaxxer who's kind of fallen into these conspiracy theories traps not just sit back and kind of reveal, like, does this even really make any sense? Like, yeah. what goes in the mind of someone who is so intensely wrapped up in it all, right? A lot of you uh, fear and anxiety, probably. I mean, the thing is, like, yeah, how is this? Even if you're going to look at the practical sense, like, so you're you're not going to wear a mask with COVID because you think that that's fake. But then you're going to wear a mask because you think you're going to get shedding onto you. So I you obviously even, believe that masks work in some way. I just don't even understand. I Even though you just went through it and you read it, it still just makes no sense for me. And it, it, it just feels like we do have to, at the end of the day, we have to look at our government and our healthcare system and like the CDC's handling it. Cause I, I think they did do a kind of a pretty crappy job uh, about, you know, getting everyone on the same page in the beginning. We didn't, we weren't sure about the, you know, the mask at first and we're wearing them and all of these mixed messages all plays into the bigger picture of vaccine hesitancy alongside if you're a person of color or you're, if you're oh, black yeah. and the history that kind of comes with that. Right. And so for me, it just feels like, how do we, get rid of that or how do we kind of calm it down because if people are not going to get vaccinated then we're still going to have to live with this you know COVID-19 it's not going anywhere it's it's and we have to kind of live with the fact that people are going to constantly probably get infected and it's just going to be this cycle unfortunately because there's a large group of people who do not want the vaccine they're terrified of it (laughs) they think that according to this website natural news they're an anti-vaccine conspiracy site that's actually been banned from facebook for spreading misinformation they advise that the only thing that may save everyone is pine needle tea Click on the link and get your pine needle tea. I'm telling you, it sounds insane. And they probably get some money from like Amazon referrals or something. (laughs) So here's the thing. Pfizer did release a statement. They had to, unfortunately. Um, They said Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine is a synthetic mRNA vaccine and does not contain any virus particles. Because there is no virus produced in the body, no shedding occurs within the human body. Uh, The vaccine cannot be inhaled via shedding and can only enter the human body through an Am I a snake? Dose. What am I shedding? Like old skin? No, I we wish. do shed a lot of skin, actually. It's gross, yeah. I'm just saying, that's real. Little known sheer effect. <laughs> I'm just letting you know, we shed skin. <laughs> Are we shedding right now? Yeah, actually, if you looked on everywhere, we'd have like, yeah, my, um, uh, you know, small amounts of our, our skin shedding. And actually bugs, like we're covered with bacteria also. Okay, well, um, (laughs) (laughs) here's the thing. If anti-vaxxers want to socially distance away from me, have at it. I actually want you to accept the new protocol. I want you to accept the protocols. If you want to wear a mask, do it. If you want to socially distance, great. If you want to stay indoors, have at it. I love you too. I don't want you around me if you're if you're going to, or I don't want you around anyone else if you're not going to be vaccinated. And you're going to um, put other people in harm. Yeah, that's it's like a bubble boy. Just be in the bubble. Be yeah, in would, stay, stay in your own bubble. I would rather them do that. Seriously. <laughs> well, let us. But know then you also, what? I will. I will also publicly apologize if I turn into a zombie tomorrow. I mean, at that point, you take accountability. Yeah, I mean... Or you might not even be able to. I, you won't. Well, if you can translate zombie, then that's another thing. I will come on live on air and hold myself accountable because I'm going to be a zombie. 
There you go. You you heard it here on Let's Go There. Again, let us know what you think of all of this at LGT Shows, where you can find us on social media. We'd love to hear from you. Coming up, more on Facebook's new feature to stop you from sharing misinformation. That's next. Let's Go There with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Facebook is trying to take on misinformation once again. This is their latest oh attempt. Facebook, that should be their new tagline. <laughs> well, if you don't, if you see misinformation, we'll clean it up. If you see something, say something. Yeah. Facebook. So they announced yesterday that they're going to start testing a new feature that will nudge you to actually read an article before you share it. So have you done this? Have you shared an article on social media without actually like? really deeply reading it. Oh my god, so that's Twitter, right? That's literally everything on Twitter, I but mean. Twitter has added, you know, those the the little warning being like before you retweet this, do you want to read it? And yeah, for the most part, I will, like I'll click in. Like I've stopped being that person that just reads the headline unless I'm familiar with already what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. But even then, what if you share something you thought like, okay, they are a, report, a reporter or an outlet I trust. And you share it, but then you didn't look at the actual thing that they shared something that was wrong. Maybe. I don't know. It's possible. Yeah, I mean, then I'll just, un, you know, I'll just unshare it. But I also yeah. kind of, one thing that I always do that I feel like is a good recommendation for me, it's seeing um, the headline, clicking it, of course, if I'm doing it. But if I don't do it, I see who's sharing it, well, who's a journalist, and then I see if my friends shared it. Because most of the time, me and my friends are on the same page when it comes to political things or just anything that is like this. And... You I'll hope. see if they share, and I'll be like, all right, cool. So how it's going to work on Facebook is, if, yeah, once again, if you try to share this news article link that you haven't opened, they're going to prompt encouraging you to open it and read it, uh, saying you're about to share this article without opening it. Sharing articles without reading them may mean missing key facts. I feel like they should <laughs> shame people more. Like, are you sure you want to share this? Are you going to be part of, you know misinformation cycle on social media. Well, I mean... Do you want to be a bad person right now? That's the thing, right? I think it's all... To be honest, I think it's how aggressive they want the algorithm to really um, be, and I think that's something that we're going to end up talking about a little bit later on the show with the glad. Oh, yeah, that's true. And by the way, that was kind of like a joke to like super shame, but you could imagine like if any of these things had a personality, right? Like you I don't know, some people do need to be super to shamed. Some people do need to kind of go through that in the sense of like, if you're spreading harmful rhetoric, you know, like let's say, I don't know, pine trees will call the, you know, pine, pine tree tea will <laughs> help you with COVID. Yeah, it's like, yeah, that's not smart. That's not true. This isn't smart or true. Are you sure you want to share it? <laughs> yes, are yes. you, are you dumb? Yeah. Do you want to make other people more dumb? I feel that. I really <laughs> Keep do. Keep on giving those I props. I genuinely feel that. Well, anyway, uh, let us know again what you think about these new changes. Twitter has done this as well, as well at LGT Shows, where you can find us on social media. Uh, coming up, the poll that reveals what Californians from all political sides really think of Caitlyn Jenner's run for governor. That's next on What's Trending This Hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Coming up this hour, where have all the Uber drivers gone? You know, I was going to get Ryan in an Uber. Yeah, but recently. they're too expensive. And um, I don't know. Like, even though I'm vaccinated, I still feel a little uncomfortable oh, really? getting in other, like, other people's cars that I don't know, like, especially Uber cars. I, I've done it a few times during this time. We wear a mask. That's it. And you, you keep the window open. But uh, this one is for... 
everyone who uses these uh, rideshare services and also all our Uber and Lyft drivers who listen to us. We love you. We have got you covered um, and we're here to support you. Plus, more on GLAD's inaugural social media safety index with CEO and President Sarah Kate Ellis, who joins us in 30 minutes. Yeah, we got a whole lot to get into today. And I'm very actually really excited about the social media safety index. I um, am doing some uh, amazing work with GLAD. And um, I'm getting to, I got to read this before it you know, actually hit everyone's emails and the big announcement happened. And so there's, it's it's just a really great moment for them to be holding uh, social media companies accountable. Uh-huh. And I think that's really, really important. Yep. Let's get into some what's trending this hour. Uh, gasoline demand spiked in several states after a pipeline hack. A growing number of gas stations along the East Coast are without fuel as nervous drivers are ag- aggressively filling up their tanks following the attack on the Colonial Pipeline, who uh, might want to change their name. Hate that name. Oh, my goodness. Maybe that's the reason why they got hacked. Anyway, here's Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm. Uh, Let me emphasize that much as there um, was no cause for, say, hoarding toilet paper at the beginning of the pandemic, there should be no cause for hoarding gasoline, uh, especially in light of the fact that the pipeline should be substantially operational by the end of this week and over the weekend. I mean, that's always a sign um, that I feel like whenever I think of like no more gas, no more toilet paper, no more food. I you just naturally think of an apocalypse. Like apocalypse, yeah, like of end of the world. That is naturally what you should be thinking about um, because that, that this is really weird news to me. I don't even feel like I understand the term hat in this sentence, right? Because hack is normally kind of in, in a tech space where you're like doing coding and H, all that stuff. HTML. Yeah, I'm, and this thing right here, I'm like, what? Do people just go and steal or siphon gas? Like, I'm just still not very sure. Um, but it's uh, it's nerve-wracking to know that people are doing this. And um, I kind of don't blame them because have you seen gas prices lately? <laughs> Right. It's so expensive. I know. That's why you just gotta, you got, we got to go electric, people. Uh, even that, like that, that's going to be another way to spike that's, up the prices of the electric, like you know, charging it. It's all a mess. Let's just um, walk. It's the worst. There you go. Or bike. I'm not walking. <laughs> State finance officials project that California will have a 38 billion dollar discretionary surplus in the upcoming fiscal year, and that's a massive influx of cash that Governor Gavin Newsom and the legislature over the next month will decide how to spend. Great job. And speaking of governor of California, according to a new poll, Caitlyn Jenner, who is running against Gavin Newsom, has managed to disappoint pretty much everyone in her short campaign. The right, left and LGBTQ plus folks, almost no one supports her, according to this new poll. And that was What's Trending This Hour, What's Happening in Entertainment News, Ryan. Uh, well, I would say we're starting on a good note because, you know, I, I love that no one likes Caitlyn Jenner. That makes me very happy. Um, but no, here is uh, the T-Report. Little Nas X is no longer feeling pressure. A role model. It's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So he had a new interview in GQ style, and he described the sense of responsibility that he felt to be a, quote, role model, unquote, after becoming a star with his first hit, Old Town Road. 
Um, he said, I, I first, um, I felt a sense of responsibility, but now I kind of just don't care. It's not my job, of course. I want to spread good ideals, but I'm not nobody's parent. And at the end of the day, I'm just doing me. And I'm hoping everyone else is following the lead and doing themselves. And of course, he also described himself as feeling so free to be himself, especially in his music. Um, hence, all of the stuff that we've been seeing with Call Me By Your Name on Tarot and all that good stuff. Um, so I'm just really happy that he's kind of saying screw everyone else's thoughts and opinions and unfortunate take hot takes and i'm just going to do what makes me happy yes and i think that's very inspiring to be quite honest i agree you know how many of us walk <laughs> through life limiting our voice and not even showing up as fully who we are because of fear of what someone yeah, thinks it's so true and so who is who should we blame ourselves other people I think that we just all gotta work on ourselves be happy in our own skin and that's what we should be thriving for yeah and don't let anyone tell you that you have to behave I mean like that (laughs) what are we children exactly that's it that's it that's your T-Report I got more coming up next hour so don't you go anywhere Uh, well coming up uh, why you might be having issues getting your next Uber or Lyft we'll have uh, those answers next Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. If you're an Uber or Lyft user, you might have noticed some changes recently. There aren't enough drivers. There are longer wait times and higher fares, too. Joining us right now is Fez Siddiqui, who's a tech reporter with the Washington Post's business desk. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, So what's happening? Is Uber and Lyft, are they falling apart? Uh, they're not quite falling apart, but uh, you're right. I mean, there are longer waits. Um, the fares are higher. People are generally finding it harder to get an Uber or Lyft. Uh, and they're not having the same experience that they had pre-pandemic. And that's uh, due to a driver shortage. Uh, drivers started sort of turning away from the services uh, in the early days of the pandemic uh, over fears of COVID, uh, fears that their the same level of demand might not manifest, and they haven't come back uh, just yet. Yeah. Do you think them not coming back it, it is also because they're probably making more money through, you know, the current unemployment, you know, benefits that they're getting? How does that really kind of factor into their decision of being like, oh, well, if I'm not even making enough money to live off of my normal wages and I'm making more money here, what's the point? It's definitely been cited as a factor. You know, I don't know that I don't know if they're necessarily collecting more, but they 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 feel that they can't go back to Uber and uh, collect whatever meager wages they might have been getting from the apps uh, without incurring you know significant difficulty uh, that they might not have had pre-pandemic. So you know they're just they're just making this calculation that. It's just not worth it. I mean, to, to put yourself at risk uh, and to maybe find that that level of demand isn't uh, what it was before. Um, I think people are making this calculation that you might as well just stick uh, to the unemployment um, and, uh, you know, hope that the stimulus checks keep coming. And just wait it out before returning to Uber or Lyft. Yeah, we actually want to give a shout out to one of our listeners, an Uber driver who sent us a DM at LGT Show, a response to our promo about this story at Simon Ton, uh, who said, yeah, I-, I was an Uber driver. I can tell you why I stopped. He said they don't pay much. Thankless job, dangerous depending on who you are. And people are always criticizing you by reminding you it's not supposed to be a full-time job. 
And uh, so it seems like there is this now reality check for the drivers, but also these companies who were killing it. Right. I feel like they had their um, their moments. So what are they going to do now? Yeah, I mean, the, the criticism is always like, you know, if there's a labor shortage, why not raise wages? The companies say that they're doing that. But the problem is uh, drivers, you know, such as uh, the, the person who reached out to you guys. I mean, drivers find that there uh, is not enough trust between uh, them and the companies. And the companies just really have not earned their trust. Uh, they, they don't feel like they can go back and expect that even if wages are up right now, they can't really expect that that, that will uh, remain the case. And so, uh, you know, the companies can provide bonus incentives. Um, they can provide these promises. Uh, but it's really a matter of earning back a little bit of goodwill uh, that uh, has been eroded up until now. I mean, the interesting thing is, like, many of, like, Uber or, you know, DoorDash, like, Uber's turned into basically a food delivery service. So it feels like on one end, if they're not doing the, you know, if they're losing Uber drivers, are they also kind of losing that that side of their business as well, their food delivery business? So you're, you're right. I mean, um, we were, we noted in the story how uh, uh, delivery makes up seems like more than half of uh, gross bookings or, you know, all the money that Uber takes in. Um, so delivery is a huge part of what they're doing. There was a huge surge uh, in supply for delivery, do- for delivery drivers during the pandemic um, because people who were uh, driving passengers around turned to that, uh, seeing it as, uh, you know, a lower risk proposition. Um, whether the same shortage uh, in, in ride hail drivers is now affecting deliveries. Uh, that's unclear, but it, it seems like the companies are really putting out this call for more drivers on the on the ride hill side. Yeah, I mean, they put together a $250 million incentive program. It's like uh, when YouTube announces their creator program, like, hey, come back, right? <laughs> it just reminds me because I'm a creator. But um, that said, <laughs> I guess what are people going to do if they need to get a, a lift uh, and uh, to drive somewhere and they're so used to these services, are there any other options? Um, I mean, obviously, like public public transit is coming back online, uh, you know, to the extent that it can in a lot of in a lot of major cities. Um, so where there might have been reduced bus or train service uh, or what have you, uh, people might find that those uh, are more widely available now. Uh, but then there there are still a lot of concerns about public transit um, while the pandemic is going on. Um, and then as far as Uber and Lyft go, like they're still available. Um, People are finding that they're going to have a little bit more of a difficult experience. I talked to someone who uh, was sailing a ride in L.A. and it took 30 minutes for a driver to get there. There's also a lot of like agitation, it seems like. I mean, you alluded to how hard this is for drivers. I talked to a driver who got cussed out by someone because he arrived after a long period of time. It must have been 30 minutes and uh, two previous drivers had canceled. Wasn't this driver's fault, but the passenger cussed him out anyway. Yeah. So it's just leading to a lot of tension. Okay, well, thank you for your reporting and for being here today. Hey, thank you so much. That was Faze Siddiqui, tech reporter with The Washington Post. Coming up on the show, why GLAD is calling out social media companies to do better for the LGBTQ plus community. That's next with the president and CEO of GLAD, Sarah Kate Ellis. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. GLAD just released their social media index, calling out all major social media platforms for basically failing. Uh, So in this 
they looked at the big ones, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and it showed actually that in terms of online hate and harassment, 64% of communities that uh, had harassment online, 64% came from the LGBTQ plus community. That's the biggest community to get online harassment and hate. So what are these platforms doing about this? Well, joining us right now is CEO and president of GLAAD back with us, Sarah Kate Ellis. Oh, anytime. Thanks for having me. We got to stop meeting like this, Sarah Kate. <laughs> well, or not. I I'd know. rather we didn't. Exactly. <laughs> so let's talk about the social media safety index. Why was this such an important, you know, um, index to make sure like GLAAD needs to have their presence in holding these companies accountable? Well, I think for the same reason that you all just said is that it's it's disproportionate for the LGBTQ community on these um, platforms for hate, harassment, and misinformation. The other thing that we're seeing, and we're kind of all seeing this in real time play out, is that this misinformation is also becoming, you know, legislation. And you could draw a direct line between the misinformation on these platforms and the over 100 anti-LGBTQ bills that are being moved around um, the various states right now. Um, So we felt it was really important because of the influence that these social uh, networks have that we step in until and with probably still government regulation. We need the government to regulate these platforms. Um, And in the midst of that not happening, our community is being targeted every day. Definitely. I mean, we unfortunately have to report that every single day. And it's it's really interesting how deep you all went. Let's talk about how you got to this result, what you looked at. Yeah, well, that's a great question. So it is literally like trying to boil the ocean, right? Taking on evaluating these social media platforms because there's so much, they're so vast. And so our approach was first we created an advisory committee and the advisory or a council, excuse me. And that council um, is everyone from Kara Swisher, who's a a big time um, LGBTQ advocate, but also an enormous tech reporter and journalist um, to Liz Fung Jones, who is um, a principal developer and advocate. So, I think, you know, we wanted to make sure that we had a diverse and varied um, advisory committee. And then we decided from there how we were going to focus the efforts. Number one, what we did is we did a literature review. So quite frankly, there are so many reports out there. None of them have been looked at through the LGBTQ lens. So we applied that lens to a lot of great reports that are out there, be it the ADL or Media Matters. And we looked at it from an LGBTQ perspective. Secondly, we looked at these five big um, mammoth uh, social media companies, and we did a public-facing policy review, meaning what are the policies they have on the books? And then third, what we did was we tested those policies. So it's it's fine if they're written down. It's whether or not they're actually enforcing them that matters. And that's where we felt they really failed. So with this report, um, you know, we were going to give out grades in the beginning. And then what we realized was 
everyone would fail, quite frankly. <laughs> so <laughs> that wasn't supposed no, to be a punchline. No, but, but true. It's true. It's very yeah. true. And, and and when you read over what which I've been doing the the index, you really kind of see all of the things that are missing. So what are you? What's Glad recommending these companies do immediately, and how long would it actually realistically take for them to implement this change? So a lot of the changes that we put forth are pretty immediate changes that they can make. So the way that we approached it was we thought, let's give them a roadmap to success or a roadmap to making these spaces safe for the LGBTQ community. And um, so they each have individualized for the top five um, plans that we have literally written for them and handed over to them. And I'll say this. The response has been really positive. They are open to the changes. They are grateful for the information. I mean, a lot of these platforms, the leaders at a lot of these platforms have said, yes, please, government, regulate us. We are out of our depths on this. So I think that, you know, we, we feel really optimistic. So next year, though, this time, I hope you'll have me back. Oh, there will be grades. And we will be throughout the year now holding them accountable. Um, so, so this gives us now a, a, a document to say, we've told you this. This is how you should be behaving in the public sphere. This is how you should be protecting our community who is harassed and, and, and receives so much online hate and is bullied online. This is amazing. And we appreciate you all for all the work you're doing. It's so needed. Finally, uh, really. Thank you. You know, I'm really, I have to say, I'm so proud of this piece. This has been five years in the making. um, And this took literally a year and a half since we started, like, actually putting the people together to do this. It's a big report. It's in-depth. And it's very thoughtful. And I think that this is going to have um, enormous implications for our community and safeguarding our community. And not only just LGBTQ, but I think that this is something that can be that can be applied to all marginalized communities yeah. on social media. Well, that was President and CEO of GLAD, Sarah Kate Ellis. We love having you on. Hope to have you back. Thank you so much. And for that uh, social media safety index, check out all of that. GLAD.org. We'll be, we'll be back with more of Let's Go There right after this. Let's Go There with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. So during the pandemic, there was an increase in pet adoptions. Well, these humans who tried to do good for a moment in their life are now abandoning their pets. I mean, are we really shocked about this? Temporary love. Uh, No, I mean, I'm not shocked. At the same time, it's just hard. I don't get how someone has a pet and then can easily just I mean and I'm not assuming it's easy it's probably really difficult yeah you know I would never do it I, but I thought about it Coco gets on my nerves but I, I'd never and there's it. a difference between maybe giving your dog to a family member or a good friend yeah. but then just leaving it in a shelter where it That's could possibly awful. die it's awful it really is awful if you think about it but here's the thing and I feel like we need to to kind of dive into this when mm-hmm. we were in quarantine people were at home Oh yeah, they were. They didn't have much. They there was no future in the future. Like no one was thinking that way, and they needed companionship. And so that pet 
they probably did it out of a state of an emotion where they were like, I need to get a pet that can really be there for me, right? And so, yes, most of the time you would get really comfortable with said pet and you would, it would become a part of the family. But now that people's lives are kind of picking up and work is happening That's again, it's just, it feels like, yeah, there's no time. You don't want to be back. You don't want to put the, the dogs in a, or the whatever animal in an awful situation where they're by themselves. Well, yeah. So let's be clear. It's easy to call these folks leaving their pets. Uh, monsters. But the other side of it is the realities of owning a pet. It is not easy and it is expensive. And yeah, if you need to go to work and uh, support yourself and your family, you got to do what you got to do. And you got to go to your job. You can't be just hanging out with your pet. You can't bring your pet to work. And also, again, how much money is it to take care of an animal? Well, it depends on where you There's work. There's realities to it. It does depend on where you work. Like, if you're in Los Angeles, there may be different rules because Los Angeles is just the pet. Like, it feels like town. Everybody not has necessarily. A, also, with COVID everybody rules of going to the office, though, they're not letting you bring animals, I don't think. You know? Yeah, it's, that so, might be true. So, uh, a lot of people on Twitter, this story that was originally reported by the uh, Bloomberg reported it and the BBC News and then... People on Twitter were dragging these folks. Of course, because people care about animals more than they care about human lives. That's really, that's the real reason why this was triggering, but that's another conversation. Uh, uh, Jill Filipovic uh, wrote, but I 100% hard judge people who are returning their pandemic puppies because of totally foreseeable events like returning to work travel. James Gunn said, dogs are living beings who get, is that James Gunn, the James Gunn? Uh, well, yeah, skip the, him if the it director. is. Sorry, because I know he's problematic. Gross. Uh, okay, well, he does voice <laughs> what a lot of people think. How pets get easily attached to humans. They're loyable, etc. Yeah. So don't adopt a pet if you're not willing to care for it for life. I agree. With, I, I mean, unfortunately, I do. With James I, no, I'm not saying that. <laughs> but I agree with that sentiment in the sense of like, just like a child, it's not like you would adopt a child, even though there is there was a news story that happened not too long ago where uh, this couple, they rehomed their autistic uh, child because oh, they couldn't yeah. handle it, which was trifling. Because that child had been in the house for at least a year. And so for me, it does and feel... And was someone who... A, a child they adopted. Yes, it was a child that they adopted. They yeah, just that's... decided to rehome it. Oh. And I, I, you know, I just don't like that. And I, I think about it in the same way that I think about kids. For, I mean, uh, uh, dogs as well, or animals. Because that is true. They do get comfortable. You're providing them safety. And then all of a sudden, you're going to put them back in the whatever conditions it is at a dog pound or a pound, you know, or a shelter. And oftentimes... That's just, it doesn't, it's not good. We're not even going to get into breeding dogs right now. That's a whole other story. Well, those, what, $5,000 dogs that can barely now uh, breathe because we've been breeding them so much? What are the... Bull, the, the Frenchies. Bo- Frenchies. I love Frenchies. I mean, come on. Humans do better. <laughs> Don't hold your breath for that one. Coming up uh, on the show, what do Demi Lovato and UFOs have in common? We'll tell you next on What's Trending This Hour. Hmm. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Welcome back to the show and coming up, what is the diet-free revolution? The author joins us to talk more about that in 30 minutes because, you know, everyone talks about diets and foods and lifestyle, but it's important to note uh, that there's a revolution happening and it doesn't involve diets. You said nothing, but you said also a lot of things. (laughs) Well, because I'm still confused, like... Is it about the end of diet culture? 
You'll have to wait and see. That's Ooh. just what I'm saying. I, okay, so maybe it really was a twist, like a, a moment to reel me in. Exactly. Wow, you're actually really good at this. Uh, plus, more on Demi Lovato's new extraterrestrial TV project. That's in the T Report in a moment. Yes. But first, let's get into some what's trending this hour. Lawmakers continue to debate gun control today. This seems to be never ending. Senator Ted Cruz had a lot to say. Kind of. Democrats don't want to address the consistent, proven, empirical failure of gun control laws. They don't work, and they make crime worse. I don't even okay. know what that means. Uh, ghost guns are also a focus today, which have become more popular among gun traffickers and criminal offenders, according to several panel witnesses. Attorney General Shapiro noted that former felons are buying assembly kits at gun shows and selling them on the streets for 100% markup. Also, really quickly, uh, CNN's reporting that uh, Liz Cheney, she's going to have something to say in a little bit. You know, she's been going through a lot. The Republicans are trying to get rid of her. Oh, yeah. And that, you know, if it was 2002... Maybe I would be on that same board, but she's trying to actually do something. She's trying to hold people accountable, and the Republicans are, they rather be into Trump cult or the cult of Trump. Yeah, it's strange. It is very strange what's happening right now. It is. They it can't is. just figure it out. But she's speaking out soon, so if uh, if it's not like happening, you know, while we're talking about headlines, it'll be next hour. She's being thrown under the bus, basically. Yeah, for sure. It's unfortunate. Uh, now, Instagram is making it easier to address people defined uh, by their defined pronouns. The company announced today that it's allowing people to add up to four pronouns to their profile, which they can then choose to display publicly or only to their followers. Instagram says people can fill out a form to have a pronoun added if it's not already available or just add it to their bio instead. <laughs> That's hilarious. They're, like, <laughs> they're talking about a new feature, but they're like, if it doesn't work for you, just add it to your bio. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, they say it's going to be available in a few countries, but doesn't specify further. But that's really, uh, really great because this is something that a lot of people want to include now and that you can't. And we've had to add it to the bio. It just makes it harder. And then it's a good way for them to establish their support of their community. Well, people were adding it regardless of there was there like a, a, you know, added part of it. You just put it in there. Yeah, but then if you want to talk about what you do in terms of like all the things you do, a lot of times there's a very small amount of characters. Yeah, but people made it happen. I know. I made it happen. But also, I like that they're making it more accessible. It'll make people think, oh, you know, I'm going to choose this versus that. Maybe I wouldn't have added my pronouns. I will. And finally, uh, the Washington Post has named longtime journalist Sally Busby the of the Associated Press as its executive editor, marking the first time, this is why we're covering this, a woman has been appointed to lead the 143-year-old news organization. So uh, an early Yaz queen to Sally Busby. And of course, we include a lot of the Washington Post reporters on our show. We love having them on. And that was What's Trending This Hour, What's Happening in Entertainment News, Ryan. Okay. (laughs) You know, my favorite moment. Yes, I'm feeling it. It's the T-Report. Demon Lovato is getting the new show. Focusing on UFO investigations. Tell me more. It's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So uh, Demi Lovato, she is the latest celebrity to enter the field of UFOs. And she's getting a four-part docu... Wait one second. Docu-series... <laughs> 
Um, where guess what? Her, she and her friend Matthew and her sister Dallas are going to be visiting UFO hotspots, investigating eyewitnesses' uh, encounters, and uncovering secret government reports. This is one. This is amazing. <laughs> uh, but also, this is the reason why we're never going to just get another hosted show because I'll never. when you have folks like Demi Lovato <laughs> hosting shows about UFOs. Us regular hosts, what are we supposed to host? Yeah, nothing, to be quite honest. Nothing. I'm just going to be able to Montreal. Host I'll be a big fish in a small pond on the local news well, in guess Montreal. What? You know, Laverne Cox, she's the she's the new basic we face. We talked about of, that. We and I was just like, damn. Yesterday. But I'm ha- also very happy because Laverne Cox deserves that and she's a fashion girl and she's going to be perfect in that spot. But I was like, you, man. You know, uh, when, <laughs> when, you know, whenever things go down in the U.S. and you're like, oh, I can move out of this country, we always joke around me and Ryan like don't worry I'll, I can get us a, a big gig in Canada because <laughs> yeah, that's we'll where she's like actually famous superstars there <laughs> she's actually famous in Canada she doesn't do anything with it oh, oh it's so annoying but okay back to the team yeah, report as I wrap this up um, Lovato seems to have been preparing for this as early as October when she posted a photo of the night sky on her Instagram along with the caption if we were to get 1% of the population to meditate and make contact we would force our governments to acknowledge the truth about extraterrestrial life among us and change our destructive habits destroying oh, our planet. I didn't know I had to look that deeply into that Instagram post. I don't know. Ever since Demi Lovato became sober, she's, you know, really hopping into new things, which I'm really happy about because Listen, you she's keeping busy yes. and she's doing the things that she cares about. You don't need to be sober to do all that stuff because I drink a bit. Well, she does. She has an yeah, actual issue. Yeah. <laughs> and I have kind of on the line in the past, but um, and I'm still into that stuff. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, yeah, that's your team report. I got more next hour you know, before Shira bit something else. I got some espresso in the break, and this is doing me good right now. Just saying. Okay, uh, coming up on the show. Oh, God. Speaking of mental health, the unique mental health challenges Asian Americans face and what one group is doing to help and change that, that's next. Real quick, it shouldn't be Demi Lovato. It should be Lady Gaga doing this. I feel like she's more of like the alien, like weird type. Okay, bye. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. It's AAPI Heritage Month and Mental Health Awareness Month, so we wanted to continue looking at mental health through an intersectional lens here on Let's Go There and Channel Q. Uh, Now, this caught our attention. Uh, There's this Facebook group, the Subtle Asian Mental Health Group. It's a fast-growing online community, and it's run by the nonprofit Asian Mental Health Collective. And we have the AMHC president and board chair, Jeannie Chang, joining us, who's also uh, amazing herself, licensed marriage and family therapist, global speaker. Thank you so much for being here. Sure. Thanks for having me. Uh, so tell us more about these groups and why they're gaining so many members now. Right. Well, Subtle Asian Mental Health really was just an organic grassroots group of people in the community, specifically, obviously, API um, professionals, community leaders, people who wanted to talk about mental health mental health stigma, because, you know, in our community, uh, mental health stigma is prevalent. So it was just a chance for people to normalize what they're experiencing and then destigmatizing mental health. And this was, what, a couple years ago now, and it's grown, I would say, nearly 60K members. And because of just that fast growth in the last couple years, last year, a couple of the core group members, I was part of the decision-making process, but not part of building that nonprofit. And they decided to turn it into a nonprofit, and then, you know, brought me in to help run that organization. But as you can imagine, 2020, the pandemic, 
And then this year in the uptick with anti-Asian hate and violence, I mean, yeah. we're so glad that we created this, this organization when we did. So this is a side note. Um, why subtle? Like, why, why is it subtle? <laughs> yeah, great question. Well, because I think it was, it's, it's kind of a nuance in our culture. It's subtle as in literally there's nuances there that are tough to discuss. So we wanted to tone things down because, again, we're, we want to talk about mental health. But you can't just go cold turkey because we have to understand the, the things in our culture that we struggle with. That's what I talk about as a clinician, right? We can't deny things in our cultural heritage, even though we have struggled with it. So subtle is more just really being subtle about it. And I think it was really just a play on words because it came from subtle Asian traits, which is another Facebook group. Oh, wow. And then this is subtle Asian mental how, uh, subtle Asian mental health, and it's just again. I think it's just more of a play on words, to be to be honest. Not so much of a big meaning, but if we're talking subtly, yeah, there's subtle nuances yeah. in our culture that can perpetuate mental health stigma. No, well, thank mm-hmm. you for breaking that down because that was like the first question. But talk a little bit more about that as you were kind of doing about those nuances. What's different? about Asian mental health, right? Especially because I'm a queer Mm -hmm. black person and that is just so intersectional and nuanced there. (laughs) I I kind of understand it. So for, you know, for that, your community, what, what is, what's different about it? I think the main thing to understand is culturally speaking, mental health. And, and I'm, this is what, that's, this is a big job of what I do is not even talked about now in this day and age, in this current climate, it is. It's coming up as a priority, but we're talking decades, history of not even understanding mental health, even talking about emotions as something as simple as I'm sad or Mm -hmm. I'm angry. It's very difficult in our culture. So over the years, just even expressing emotions and talking about thoughts, you know, even explaining things that we have opinions about, it's not really welcomed. It's not unwelcomed, but there's... This, the cultural underlining tones of, hey, just, just put your head down, follow the rules, do that. Again, that's where and then we can talk about the model minority myth and perpetuating that. But that also stems from the history of the, the um, I would say, false and harmful narrative of the model minority myth, suggesting that Asians have no problems and all is good. And then we tend to perpetuate it as well, because in our culture, we were taught to live like that. Don't don't you know, ruffle feathers. Don't say anything. Follow the rules. You know, and, and obviously that's just not normal, right? Mental health is, is normal. We need to talk about how we're feeling. Um, things are distressful or mm-hmm. things are happy. We need to be able to do that. So, again, there's, there's, there's a lot of richness in the history that isn't bad because the thing is to say, that, to deny things of your culture and say that it's bad isn't healthy for your mental health either. It's not good for your identity. So it's just understanding that there's things in our culture that we need to unlearn hmm. and break those unhealthy habits so that we can normalize mental health because it is normal. That's so interesting you said that because I thought, you know, we each have our own identities and where we're from. I thought about my Jewish identity and how many things I call out being like, oh, I'm this because of this. And But like you're mm. saying, embra- mm-hmm. embracing that. And like, how do you balance embracing it and then creating something new? Yeah, and I love the word embracing because I want to get that image of empowering and, and, and pushing you toward what I would call cultural competence, which is, you know, my, my framework. But huh. I, I think it's important that we need to embrace. It's, if you're not embracing your cultural heritage, yes, the imperfections of the cultural heritage as well, you're saying to yourself, hey, I don't like myself. And yeah. I think it's important to be proud of who you are, despite the history, right? But understanding how you can 
rewrite it in some sense according to your current story. We have past narratives, but we have current narratives that we can recreate or define now for the future that we want to see. Wow. That gave me chills. I'm feeling it. That gave me chills. That's beautiful. (laughs) Jeannie Chang, you are fabulous. It's great to be reconnected. We hope to have you back here. You're so good. Sure. Thanks for having me. Uh, Jeannie Chang, again, is a licensed marriage and family therapist, also the Asian Mental Health Collective president and board chair. Now coming up on the show, how to stop yourself from feeding into the diet cycle. We have the author of The Diet-Free Revolution joining us next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We always talk about how problematic diet culture is. Well, one author is taking it all on with her book, The Diet-Free Revolution, debunking the myths we've been sold about food, nutrition, health, and weight loss. She joins us now, Alexis Connison. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, now, of course, again, you're not just a writer. You're a licensed psychologist, certified eating disorders yeah. specialist, um, and supervisor. So you're not just writing about this. But what made you want to take on diet culture in this way? So, you know, I just think that diet culture is so pervasive. It's something that I grew up immersed in. I mean, I think we all do for the most part. And I saw the detrimental impact it had on me and that it had, as I became a professional, that had on my clients just this really deep feeling that we're not good enough, that we need to change our body in order to be acceptable in the world. And I think this is really something that's holding people back in life. Yeah, and I I love that you're kind of reframing dieting, right? And I I wonder, though, (laughs) is that still inherently kind of diet culture? Like, even that reframing, can that still be listed? Or what is your definition of that kind of the reframing when it comes to that? So, I mean, I think of dieting as anything that is looking at using a set of external rules to guide our eating instead of listening to our own bodies. And, you know, I think that as people have become savvy to the idea that diets don't work because they don't, um, the diet culture has rebranded itself again and again. I think we see a lot of it masked as wellness and um, health and things like that. But it's really, you know, just same old uh, dieting, different packaging. Yeah. 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 And, Let's talk about what the diet-free revolution is and, like, and mindful eating, really, cause, uh, and instinctive mm-hmm. eating, would you say, uh, and how we can approach that in a non-problematic way. So mindful eating is really learning how to tune into what we all knew like as babies, right? Like no one has to teach a baby really how to eat. It's an instinct. It's a sense of I'm hungry, I'm going to eat. But as we go through life, we're taught to mistrust our bodies. And, you know, again, this leads to the sense that our bodies are fundamentally bad or that there's something wrong with us. And we find ourselves as adults, like not knowing how to eat and thinking that we need to rely on diet plans or experts or whatever to guide our eating. So mindful eating, my hope is that it can kind of, you know, it's a strategy to bring people back to this very basic sense of listening to, you know, the wisdom of our body. It's really just tuning in to what we already know. Okay. All right. I mean, by the way, I, I mean, but in our, on our show, Ryan is a bit more of the skeptic than I am. (laughs) 
just okay. FYI. No, but, 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 oh, yeah, there you no, go. But I, I love, I, here's the thing. I want to preface and say I, I'm loving everything you're standing for. I'm just trying, I'm having a difficulty of even the idea of mindful eating still feels like it can play into the whole diet culture of it all, right? And it's still, it's supposed to give you more of kind of like a relaxed way of thinking where you're not just piled on from the anxieties that come on with what you need to be eating, what needs to be happening. Because for me, if I'm being quite transparent, I think, you know, I, you know, me and my friends have very, uh, really deep conversations about kind of how we go through like, you know, the, the, the craziness of anxiety when it comes to food and our relationship and even that, you know, having body dysmorphia in, in certain ways. And so it, it's it's difficult for us sometimes to to hear these kind of conversations and figure out, well, how can I implement that mm into my life because it can be very difficult, especially if you're having this war with food and just diet culture in general. Right. So I love that you bring this up. You know, one thing that I think is really important is that, to you know, like you said, there's this war that we're at. And part of the intention of um, the diet free revolution is really to emphasize a sense of self-compassion, which I know, like, if you're not there, it might be like, ah, self-compassion, I'm never going to do that. But really, I think when we can, in a very basic way, like, get ourselves out of that war with each other, with, with ourselves. Cause like who's winning that, right? That's not helping anybody except for, um, you know, the systems that are profiting from us buying all these diet products and believing that we need to buy, buy, buy in order to feel better about ourselves. When we can really get ourselves out of conflict that, you know, it is a radical shift to be able to say, I'm not going to be fighting against myself anymore my body and I are on the same team. I can trust my body. My body is good. It will lead me in the right direction. It kind of changes the whole paradigm. Mm. Yeah. And I also think it goes back to with anything and let's, whatever you do, whatever behavior you have, it could be the way you eat, the way you um, look at anything in your life. It's like the why, why am I doing this? And does this make me feel good? And understanding, is it making me feeling good? Is an external validation feeling good? Or is it making me feel, if we take external validation out of this, how do I feel as an independent human living on this earth? Does this make me feel good? Does this feel okay for me? And I think that's like what that all means. But it is a hard conversation to have because it's a sensitive topic. It's very triggering. Well, and especially when our culture, our current society you you see Will Smith kind of uh, you know going on this press tour about his out of shape dad bod a dad bod and it's just like well what if what you're complaining about is someone's best and they're happy with that but you're constantly fueling you know we see the society kind of fueling these standards and it's it's really difficult you know to kind of navigate in those spaces. It it is. And I think that there's two things, you know, we have to heal our own relationship with food um, and our bodies, which is kind of an individual thing. But we also have to deal with the rampant fat phobia and weight stigma that is just all over our culture. So, you know, it's one thing to try to heal our relationship, but then to go out in a world where you're told that your body is bad, you know, it's a lot, it takes a lot of resiliency and strength not to um, say, you know, not to internalize those messages. And that's why I have a ton of compassion for people who are stuck in diet culture because it makes total sense. Like if you've been told that you're, you know, will be more valuable if you lose weight, then of course you're going to try to lose weight. Like that's a very rational thing to do. But unfortunately, you know, the other side of it is that when we diet, we get caught in this um, cycle that really makes us feel terrible about ourselves because we 
you know, feel like our value is tied to the number on the scale. We feel like we have to be different in order to be acceptable. And we get, you know, kind of pushed back and forth between restricting our eating and then often feeling out of control with our eating, losing weight and then regaining weight. And it's like this terrible path that we find ourselves um, often very stuck on. Yeah, it's almost like finding a secure relationship with food and our bodies, right? Yeah. And so you're not having anxious attachment. If you go back to the attachment theory, you're not, yeah. uh, what's the other one? Uh, the anxious and then detached or whatever. Yeah. Avoidance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so exactly. interesting. Um, again, the book is called The Diet-Free Revolution. Uh, thanks so much for joining us for this. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here and, and have had the chance to talk to you. Oh, you're so, so great. You're yeah. great. That was uh, clinical psychologist and eating disorder specialist Alexis Connison. And check out, again, the book, The Diet-Free Revolution, out now. And speaking of which, this is an interesting story to seg to after this. Gwyneth Paltrow, she shared her pandemic indulgence on social media and has a lot of people giving her side eyes. Is it relatable or not? That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Actress Gwyneth Paltrow and self-proclaimed health guru, I guess, I did this exclusive interview with The Mirror talking about her experience during quarantine and how she went totally off the rails. And she defined that as both drinking seven nights a week as well as making pasta and eating bread. She just ate her way through the pandemic. So many carbs, so much alcohol. Is she telling us something new? (laughs) Uh, So a lot of people... You know, I think some people said, oh, this is so accessible. It's just like everyone. Others were like, really? Like, oh, sorry, uh, you drank a lot and had too many carbs. Like, this is really going off the rails. What do you think, Ryan? I mean, I can only relate. I think we were all doing. I think I was doing that. I mean, I I agree. I, I wish I was you know, coordinated enough and, and, and savvy in the kitchen enough to make pasta from scratch. That sounds really intense, but I do know how to pour a good Trader Joe's pasta into the hey. skillet and make something out of that. Um, but the drinking, you know, I don't really drink like that, but I get it. Everyone was doing that, so I don't really know. Sometimes with Gwyneth, I think, you know, they people ask her things and she thinks it's like so left field and it's just really like, most celebrities do this, by the way, but it's it's really nothing. It's. I mean, I don't know. But a, lo- a lot of people were calling her out, not saying like, yeah, we all did this. They were making fun of her for saying like, that's you going off the rails. Of course, people would make fun of that. I would make fun of that. I mean, she's literally, clearly has never lived life. <laughs> this is her off the rails. This is her off the rails. Let me show her like- a regular Tuesday for me. <laughs> You'll end up in a boot. <laughs> that is true. She also said her drink of choice is her own invention uh, based on whiskey sour and made with, this is well, this will take it, a quinoa liquor. I didn't even know there was a liquor made of quinoa. Wow. I wonder if it's good. It's a, it's a quinoa whiskey, by the way, which, you know, I love a good whiskey. Yeah. I mean, it makes, makes it healthier for you. I'm guessing, yeah, because, you know, whiskey's already very sweet and stuff, so she's trying to find the the best way. I mean, when you have money and the resources to go find or go and to be a detective for quinoa liquor, then, yeah, I guess you'll be able to find anything can be turned into something that is, like, healthy and delicious. But I guess we don't need to worry about it because she, has, she said she didn't get, like, blackout drunk, but she did feel the effects on her health, and it brought her urge back to have a cigarette. 
I just want her to live life more. Maybe that's what I'm more worried <laughs> <Right>? about. <laughs> She's too busy putting on masks. Yeah, or something. I'm just like relax, turning uh, <laughs> candles into her vagina or something. I mean, that's stressful, actually. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> let us know if what you did, what off the rails means to you during the pandemic. Our LGT show is where you can find us on social media. And where can we find this quinoa liquor? Anyone know? Do you really want to try it? Yeah. I'm going to do that. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We're wrapping up the show as we always do with our Yes Queen of the Day. Yes, Queen. I almost uh, lost my voice there. Now, the U.S. Mint is honoring 20 trailblazing women on a new series of quarters, starting with, oh, I love this woman, Maya Angelou and Dr. Sally Ride. The poet and the NASA astronaut will be the first two women featured on the back of these coins, debuting in January and continuing in circulation through 2025 as part of their American Women Quarters program. U.S. Representative Barbara Lee said this in a statement that for too long, many of the women who have contributed to our country's history have gone unrecognized, especially women of color. And of course, Angelou and Ride paved the way for many who came after them and inspired young women to carry on their legacy. So we love this. So good on uh, the uh, U.S. Mint for doing something cool. Yeah, I hope. I mean, this seems like more of a collector's item, right? And so I'm I'm I I was going to say that I I hope that somehow I get one of these quarters but if you're smart you should be holding on to them because this is like a pretty big deal. Yeah, this is not one of those you like just use. Yeah, no. Although this I could is really see cool, I could see like someone getting this and their child either doing something with it or someone just who has like um a housemate or I mean roommate, sorry, who doesn't respect them. <laughs> Taking she knows I hate that housemate word. <laughs> or significant others. Anyway, uh, we love this, so that gets our yes queen of the day. Yes, queen. And I also think, um, well, I did think so. Oh, I hope that Maya Angelou looks good on the court. Because, you know, sometimes it's kind of like mm. the wax museum. You either get it right or you get it wrong. So I'm hoping on the quarter she looks flawless. Because that matters. Mm-hmm. That is true. It's like the wax museum when they mess up. That's yeah. I can only imagine. You know, like George, what, what's his name, Washington. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine he probably wants to look perfect. Well, make Maya look perfect too. And you can nominate quarter, other women right? to be That's featured right. on the quarters through their website. They have a web portal form. Just go to usmint.gov. I am going to nominate you. Oh my god, let's That's see if they can get exactly me Exactly what we need. <laughs> Okay, Canadian woman on the U.S. I'm the first Canadian woman. <laughs> Come on. Okay, that does it for our show. We appreciate you for hanging out with us today. On tomorrow's show, uh, we're going to be talking about a lot of things, uh, including the breakout cities on the forefront of America's economic recovery. All right, that's good. Some good news here. And we have a uh, the founders of a new psychedelic platform joining us called Psychable. They're the number one comprehensive online community connecting you with legally uh, peer-reviewed practitioners. So that'll be cool to talk to them. That's tomorrow's show, live right here on Channel Q, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern weekdays. And if you miss any of our shows or interviews, we post everything as a podcast. Just go to the Odyssey app or where podcasts are available and search Let's Go There. We're sending you love and light. And honey, remember to slay. Stick around for Love Line with Dr. Chris, where he's covering celebrities and mental health right after this. Bye, y'all.